I love troubleshooting server issues, said no e-commerce entrepreneur ever. (laughs) And that's why I'm personally migrating my stores to Shopify. Since Shopify is a hosted service, I can worry about growing my business versus troubleshooting problems. Like a Magento problem I had that logged every single customer interaction and brought my site to a standstill. I wouldn't have wasted a day troubleshooting that on Shopify. And compared to other hosted carts, Shopify has the largest ecosystem of developers and apps and the best architected design framework. Officially retire as a system admin, shopify.com. Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, your headquarters for building a six figure plus e-commerce business. I'm your host, e-commerce entrepreneur and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Derry. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate you listening. Today on the program, it's just me. I'm flying solo and I'm going to be diving into the nuts and bolts of what we did to prepare for a redesign, which we're actually right now in the thick of for one of my stores, Right Channel Radios, where we sell uh, radio equipment for vehicles. And if you're a listener, you listen fairly frequently, you'll notice that over the past, oh, probably four months, we've had a decent number of episodes on redesigns. Chatted with Ezra about what to consider when you're getting ready to do a migration or a redesign. Chatted with Carson a while back about how to work with high-end designers. Brought Justin from Empire Flippers on to talk about his redesign experience and how that panned out. And there's a reason (laughs) that I did that is because it's been something I've been thinking a lot about. And so in this this episode, we're going to be talking about why we're doing the redesign, some of the past mistakes I've made with redesigns, why we're replatforming, how we found a designer, the budget that we're using, uh, that we're spending on, on this redesign, why we, we, how we were able to, to come up with a number we thought was realistic and, and wasn't being irresponsible, and especially getting into what we did before the redesign. We haven't, I mean, we're in the middle of it, but this is really going to get us up to everything you need to do before you embark upon that because there's so much so much of the redesign process is the preparation work and thinking through it and preparing what you're going to design. The design part isn't easy, but it's really the, the real wins that you have, as we'll talk about, come in those early stages before. So starting at the top, why are we redesigning our site? Well, there's a bunch of different reasons. Over, you know, at a high level, the business is down year over year. I mean, this is the first year with that business where we've, we haven't seen growth. We've actually seen contraction in sales and it's been about 30% down year over year, which is a, that's a lot, <laughs> you know, that's a, an almost alarm. It is an alarming amount. And so, uh, that was one of the big things that precipitated us thinking well, we got to do something differently. And, and why is that? Well, there's a, a couple different reasons and all of these are tying into the redesign. One is, is mobile, as I've talked about on the podcast a lot in the past. You know, our mobile traffic, as many others are, is just exploding. I think it's up almost 200% in the last couple of years. And it's, you know, our, we don't have a good mobile site. The conversion rates on it are abysmal. People buy, but not because it's great. Uh, they kind of buy in spite of it. So getting a great mobile site is just something that is a huge priority for us. Secondly, user experience and functionality. We, you know, it's funny you can own a business for, for a really long time, in our case, six plus years, and you do some UX testing, some usability testing, and you realize there's some fairly large usability problems with your website. People are trying to use it in a way in which it's not designed or you're not catering to certain needs or interests. And so that's another reason we identified some pain points with the usability that, we have, uh, that we're going to be addressing in this redesign to hopefully increase conversion. 
Thirdly, branding. You know, we've got, uh, there's kind of a couple different elements of branding. There's a, there's a ton, which we've done entire episodes on. But really, we're looking at two different aspects of branding for this redesign to help improve that aspect of it on the design front and also on the personality and kind of uh, entertainment front. So I think it's been pretty vocal. If you want to have a business that is long-lasting, that's it's going to be around and healthy in the coming years, you got to build a brand. And the easiest way to do that is probably by creating your own product, frankly. We don't do that. We sell existing products, which makes it a little bit harder, but we can still do that. Uh, and we're going to be doing that by, one, creating a, a, hopefully a much nicer design for the website. The website design we have now is one I created three years ago. It's not awful. It doesn't look terrible. It's very utilitarian, but there's no wow factor to it. And it doesn't have a sense of brand presence. It really doesn't, it doesn't stand out. So that's one thing. And then secondly, a personality. I I think anytime you can make, I think going forward stores that make the shopping experience, not just informative and easy, but fun, are going to win, and especially in niches that are really boring, like radio equipment for vehicles. <laughs> so we're going to be po- focusing a lot into our personality, both in terms of making it very transparent who we are, videos of us talking about the products, uh, about us videos with myself and my team front and center, really interesting, funny, cheeky copy, all of these kind of things we're going to tie into to really try to do our best to create a strong brand presence and affinity. And then finally, we're going to be niching down to focus on a new type of customer. I mean, in the past, we've sold really, really sold uh, radio equipment to pretty much anyone with a vehicle in terms of uh, our customers. But we've, we've realized over the years that we are best equipped based on our knowledge and our expertise in the products. We know best to help people with off-road vehicles, industrial equipment, and 4x4 vehicles. And that's what we're going to be niching down to. And, and I've never regretted niching a site down. Usually, almost always, it's, it's, you're resistant to it, but it almost always allows you to message better and target your customers better. And that's what we're going to be doing as well. So those are the reasons why we're redesigning. And you know, in the past, we've made mistakes. I had a big case study on a trollingmotors.net, which is a store I used to own, redesign that I did. I'll link up to in the show notes, and made a big mistake there. And that I, I spent, you know, I invested a good amount of money in a custom design for that site, and ended up having to rip the whole site down and the design down and start from scratch because. I invested in it right out of the gates. I spent a ton of money on a nice site before I knew about the customers, about what they needed, about the products. I didn't know the market at all. And the reason why this one's a little bit different is that time we were were doing a redesign and spending a lot on it right out of the gates. This time we've got a business that's been around for a while, you know, six plus years. We know the customers, we know what their problems are. Uh, And even though there's some tweaks with usability and things, we, we have a good sense of the products and what what hesitations and and issues people have when shopping. So in terms of the platform, we have traditionally been on Magento for the last three years with our store. And it, (laughs) it's been, uh, you know, as I've expressed in the past, it's been frustrating. You know, team members couldn't install updates easily. We couldn't upgrade very well. I got tired of of having to be a, a Unix terminal command prompt kind of guy. It just was frustrating, and it was uh, pretty unwieldy from a code perspective as well. And so, you know, we decided to go with, you know, we kind of looked at at the options out there and ultimately decided to go with Shopify, as, you know, you've probably heard, you know, guessed from things I've said in the past and the piece at the top. So we decided to go with them. And then 
after that, we pitched them to be a sponsor on the podcast because we were going to be moving down that path and really believed in their their platform and ecosystem. And won't get too involved in this because I've talked about it before, but ultimately we went with Shopify because we don't have to host with them. We don't have to maintain the code base. They've got a fantastic ecosystem of talent and of, uh, of apps and a really customizable and dynamic uh, framework and API to work from, which, which uh, uh, played really heavily into the decision. So in terms of a designer, Actually, uh, Carson from uh, from a past episode, Carson McComas from Shopify Custom was was is who is doing the design, and I can't remember at the time if if we had hired him on or uh, or not, but we had definitely uh, been in some discussions with him about it, and we didn't pick Carson. Yeah, I didn't go through and interview a dozen different designers and ultimately, uh, you know, select Carson after he won uh, one out. Really, he was just a guy who impressed me over the last three or four or five months and had a solid portfolio, was a very professional and was just impressed with them over time. And so I ended up, didn't even end up quoting this out to anyone else, which I probably, you know, maybe I should have, but felt really comfortable with him and the price point. So speaking of the price point, so I want to talk to you, be candid about how much we're putting into this from a budget perspective. And so the budget for this, this project is $50,000. And I want to break that down for you. It seems like a tremendous amount. It's definitely more than I've ever spent on on a redesign project before. But I want to walk you through how it breaks out and why we're willing to invest this much in it. So in terms of that 50000 30000 of that is for the actual design and development and wireframing. Really, pretty much anything Carson and his team over at ShopifyCustom.com, what they're billing for. You know, good designers aren't cheap. I mean, part of this design was we wanted an amazing mobile responsive theme that loaded really quickly. We wanted to do a lot of customization that could overcome some of the usability problems that we had. We wanted someone who was really responsible and really experienced. And I know some people will say, you know, that's crazy. You can go get this cheap, you know, more done more cheaply somewhere else. And maybe you could, but I don't think you could do the level of, with the same level of expertise and quality and, and also frictionlessness in terms of the process that is on my side. You know, working with someone who's really skilled like Carson, it's great. He's, he doesn't miss details. You know, when he says something's going to be done, it gets done and it gets done properly. And people like that aren't cheap. <laughs> you know, they don't come cheaply. And for me, it was worth that investment. So the other $20,000 of it is really the investment that we're making in terms of our team, my team that's working on this. So I'm spending a ton of time on this. Of course, uh, we've got team members that are, uh, taking a ton of new images that are writing new copy. Laura is writing a bunch of uh, new copy, fun, kind of entertaining copy like I alluded to. That takes a lot of time. Pat is doing a lot of image work and video work. And we've got VAs who are doing a lot of uh, team members that are doing a lot of work on the side of migrating products and really updating a lot of the back-end things. And so between all of that, it's going to be definitely in the, in the probably 20K ballpark in terms of payroll expenses and my time as well. So that's where we get that budget. So you know, that is a lot of money. In the blog post, I, you know, kind of liken it to saying you can, you can buy a small cottage in, a, in Mexico, 100,000 apple pies and McDonald's. Like, it's not insignificant. And, you know, how do you know you're not crazy for spending that much money? Well, well here's the process. I want to walk you through the process that I use to think through that. So for this illustration, I want to use some hypothetical numbers. These are not the actual net income numbers for the business, but it'll, having a number that we can refer to will make this much easier to visualize. So for the sake of argument, let's just say that the business makes $100,000 per year in net profit. So we want to look at what we're ultimately what we want to do is we want to look at 
What is the value we'll receive, let's say a year down the road, in terms of income and business value if we don't do a redesign? And what's the value that we're going to receive if we do do a redesign? So you have those two scenarios. And what you want to do is you want to weigh the expense of the redesign, of the investment in that, uh, that redesign, versus the difference in value you receive uh, between those two scenarios. So let me walk through it. So again, let's assume $100,000 in profits per year. So normally, you know, a healthy growing e-commerce business would usually sell between two and a half to three X net income, two and a half to three X multiple. But in our scenario, because sales have been declining this year, the multiple we would see would probably be closer to two X. So if you take $100,000 of an income and you multiply that by two, uh, you're going to get $200,000. So that's going to be what the business would be worth probably a couple years, you know, down the road. So in terms of the value that we got, you know, in terms of a 12th month uh, income, the income we'd receive over the next year, let's say sales would actually decline, continue on the path that they have been. So you'd be looking at a 30% decline, so probably 70K. And so that 70K is what you'd receive in income plus the 200K in business value roughly. And you'd look at, you know, be looking at a value in about a year's time, if nothing changed, if you didn't do a redesign of $270,000. Again, these are all hypotheticals, but it gives you a sense of the process. So let's look at it from a redesign standpoint. So the assumption I'm making with this redesign, and some people will take issue with this, they already have, <laughs> is that we'll see probably a 50% increase in profits given, you know, I've done a couple of redesigns in the past, big ones, and we've, we've always seen at least a 50% increase in revenue. Whether that's the case in this instance uh, is yet to be determined. I could be a little aggressive. A lot of people think I, I am, but that's what I'm going to use for this scenario. So let's assume you see a 50% increase. And instead of making $100,000, the business makes $150,000. Well, to determine a business value in that case, you would take $150,000. And instead of you know, multiplying it by 2x, you would get a higher multiple on the business because it's growing, it's expanding. And so someone would be willing to pay more. So let's say a 2.75 multiple instead. So all of a sudden, between the increased multiple and the increased earnings, the business value is now worth you know, 412500 roughly. And this isn't to say I'm going to sell the business, but you do, when you're doing these kind of analysis, you do need to look at it as what, what, what's the value of the business if I did sell it today? Because that's a real tangible, you know, if you do decide to sell it, or even if you don't, it's an investment consideration. So in terms of 12-month income, uh, you'd instead of being 100, you'd be in 150K. So you've got 412000 in business value, uh, 12-month income of one hundred and fifty. So your total value one year in is about uh, $560,000 roughly. So your value under the status quo is roughly two hundred and seventy. Your value with the redesign is using these assumptions and scenarios is about 562500 So your potential upside, the value differential there is $292,000. So what you do is you look at that's the difference that's potentially uh, hypothetically what you could uh, you know at least in a you know in, in a ballpark realm expect to receive in value for investing that money. So almost three hundred k based on an investment of fifty thousand dollars is that a good investment? To me, yes, it's a six x return on your investment in twelve months. You know, and even if let's say we only saw a twenty percent increase in conversion, which I'd be really surprised if we didn't at a minimum see that. 
you'd still come out, I won't run the numbers for you here, but you'd still come out $120,000 ahead over the course of that one year, which would be, you know, a two and a half X return on your investment, on your $50,000 investment. So, so that's the thought process. And again, those are all hypothetical numbers, at least the, the net income earning numbers are. But that's the thought process that, that, that we went through with our real internal numbers. And that if you're thinking about doing a redesign as well, uh, you should as well. And, and uh, you know, even think through, especially didn't go through like a sensitivity analysis here, but think through some of those assumptions. Look at it at a 20% increase. Look at it at a, at a you know, 30 or 40 or 50. 50 is a little bit aggressive. I realize that, but it's what we uh, what we used at least for that scenario. So, getting into what you actually should do for a redesign. So, again, as I mentioned at the top, the most important work you can do is the work that you do before you ever chat with a designer, because a good designer, a good developer, their role, and the most you can expect from them is to brilliantly execute on the brand and the vision and the design and the UX enhancements which you tell them to create and to implement. And, you know, designers and good coders, they can give you guidance on certain areas based on their experience and work with other clients. But ultimately, it's up to you to create that that project spec to tell them what to build. So how do you do that? Because that's all of this, this is all work you have to do before you ever bring somebody on. So I'm going to go through these without lingering too, too long on each one. But first, check your to improve list. If you've got a business and you don't have a list somewhere where you are continually tracking and adding to all the things you want to improve in the business, you need to start that today. Because there's so many things that come in over the course of weeks and months, and, and you may think you're going to remember them, but you almost certainly won't. So having that database to pull from of, oh, hey, here are the 50 changes we really want to make. Going through those when you're at a redesign is really, really helpful because it can help you make sure you get those implemented when you otherwise might forget them. Secondly, user testing, or often referred to as UX testing. It's hard to overemphasize the importance of watching real people use your website. And like I mentioned at the top, we ran probably well, maybe 10 or 12 tests where we had people come to our website. We use the service usertesting.com, which for about $50 will let you select someone. These people are all remote working from their computer. We'll let you select somebody based on the criteria that you set. So we picked people. Most of the people that we picked were uh, between ages of like 30 and 55. They were males. They had pickup trucks, uh, you know, our, our demographic that came and shopped at our site and have them complete a test. Uh, so we had them shop for radio equipment and just watch them how, how they went through that process, where they got caught up. And we learned so much without blowing the, uh, some of the new features we have. We learned something that we implemented as a key component of our site that we never even thought of before, but it was something that almost every single tester mentioned. So make sure you're doing user testing. Usertesting.com is a great resource. You can also do it with people in person, but if you do, make sure that you're not coaching them, that you're doing nothing but, but listening because sometimes we have a tendency to try to explain things away, which is exactly the wrong kind of, you know, the wrong response when people are giving you feedback. You want to go through and identify your top pages and your top products. So, you know, standard classic 80-20 rule, probably 20% of your products are going to generate 80% of your revenue and 20% of your pages or your resource pages or your articles are going to generate 80% of the people coming into your website. So you want to make sure those products, those top products, uh, have fantastic photography. You want to make sure they have incredibly good copy. You want to spend more time on those and ditto for the, the top landing pages. You want to make sure that those gateways to your site are really well optimized. There's great content there. There's great calls to actions. So make sure you know what those top pages and products are. 
you want to go through and optimize your site structure. And this is a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast episode, but you want to go through it. You want to do really do a, a comprehensive uh, analysis on the keywords people search for and the primary, you know, the most important and highly searched for uh, keywords relative to your store, and then create and base your navigation around those because it's the way that you link internally really has an impact on on how you come up in the search engine. So again, a little beyond uh, this this podcast, I've got a, a really in-depth resource in the private forum for all four members uh, about how to do that, which I'll link up to uh, in the show notes. You want to go through and do a manual content audit. And so uh, that's kind of like identifying your top pages in terms of looking for things that need to be improved, but you're really doing it for all of your content and all of your pages across your site. Uh, This could be from product pages all the way through articles and resources. So I find anytime you do a redesign or a migration, it's a great time to do housekeeping and, and house cleaning because I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of times I know if I don't do it right now, when, I've, when I'm doing all this other stuff, it's probably not going to get done for the next two years, if that. <laughs> so, so go through and really spruce up things that you've been meaning to for a while and that are a little outdated. Finally, you want to start running those surveys. You can learn, I mean, obviously surveys, everyone's heard of surveys. This isn't a newsflash, but you can learn so much about what your customers appreciate, what pain points they have by just running a couple of surveys. And there's two big ones I recommend. One, I would recommend a homepage survey. Uh, we use Qualaroo for this, but there are some other options. And we ran one that was triggered when people begin to exit the site. They can tell like when your cursor goes up to the top left of the screen or you go, you're getting ready to type in an address in the web browser. And it just asked, is anything holding you back from purchasing today? And it was an open-ended uh, response. People could hit yes and then tell us what it was. And we you know, were using that to try to figure out why are people leaving? What's holding people back from making a purchase? And the second one was a post-purchase survey. So anytime somebody completes a purchase on our site, they, they go to a survey and ask them four questions, which we stole from, uh, from Avinash Kanash. And I'm sure I just butchered his name, but he's the analytics guru that I think most people know well. And Avinash, if you're listening, I apologize for hashing your last name there. I don't think you are, but in, in some off chance you hear this. So the four questions we asked were, tell us about yourself. We'd love to know more about you. That was the first question. Secondly, why did you decide to buy from us? Third, what hesitations did you have about purchasing? And fourth, what could be improved? So you definitely get some constructive feedback, but more than anything, the most powerful ones where we want to know, one, who's buying from us? And secondly, what were the big compelling reasons that caused them to do that? So that we, one, make sure we emphasize those and you know, maybe on the worst case scenario that we don't ax them. So you've got all this data at this point from your testing, from your identifying your top products, your improve list, your surveys. At this point, you need to go through and create a design brief, uh, really a project spec that you can use to, one, make sure that you can clearly think through what you're going to do for the redesign. And then secondly, something that you can hand off to somebody else uh, to a designer or developer so they get a chance to look at what you're thinking about doing. This is going to be helpful for early stage discussions when you're chatting with designers and also ultimately for getting a quote for your project. So the, the template I, or the design brief that I put together ended up being 14 pages. Uh, it was pretty dense. <laughs> and the full design brief is available to all private forum members. But at a high level, here are the things that I went through and talked about. 
We talked, I included the reasons for the redesign, thoughts on the overall look and feel, how I wanted it to look, who our customer demographics were and what our focus was going to be, what our budget was, uh, how I wanted the header and navigation to look, how I wanted the homepage to look, how I wanted the category page to look and, and how it would function, how I wanted the product page to look and the special features that it would have. Uh, we've got a product selection wizard. I talked about that. I detailed our shopping cart and our checkout pages in granular detail. I uh, talked about our about and our content, uh, about us and our contact us pages. Talked about the layout of our resource library where all of our kind of uh, educational articles are. Talked about the footer. Talked about the requirements for the mobile site, how I wanted that to look. Uh, and had a, a couple of other details, but a lot of stuff. It was very detailed. The more detailed and specific you can be in this stage and the more granular that you can be, the better. So once I had that, and once I came on with Carson, he kind of looked at this. He gave me a rough idea of the budget. It wasn't a fixed proposal, but a rough idea. He really proposed going through a wireframing process. And this wasn't something that I had ever done before. Uh, wireframes, most people are probably familiar with this, uh, the concept. But a wireframe is, is a very rough, kind of a rough picture of uh, what the design is going to look like, the finished design. It lays out the page and the elements. And you can design it really quickly and easily without having to code anything up. And the reason why Carson pushed it, and not pushed it, sold it, and sold it well because uh, it ended up being very helpful is when you're working through how a page is going to look, there's a lot of things that you don't necessarily think of until you see them visually. And if you go through and you don't have those discussions until after the site has been coded and designed and you want to change a lot of things, it's a lot harder and more expensive to do at that stage because you have to go through, because you've probably wasted time on implementing things that are going to get changed. It's so much easier to do all of that right out of the gates when you, you haven't spent the time on intense design and in, uh, intense coding. It really has just been a wireframing, which is really just a, a graphical program that you can make tweaks to. So having that wireframe document, and we wireframe pretty much every major template on the site and the site architecture was helpful in thinking through a lot of those problems. I had some great discussions just looking at wireframes with Carson that helped us work out issues ahead of time. And it also helps create a detailed project spec. So in the case when I hired Carson, I hired him in two phases. First phase was for the wireframing where he really came on as a consultant and helped us think through those problems, create a very detailed wireframe for the site. And that was great because at that point we could have gone ahead and just used that to hire him, which we did. Or in the case that he didn't work out well, or we wanted to go with someone else, or he had a quote maybe that came in way over, uh, we could have used that same wireframe and taken it to a different designer. So it was really, really helpful. So that 17-page wireframe, again, is something that's available to all private forum members uh, and is posted in the community. So you can get a sense of how detailed we got in terms of uh, that process. So finally, after we did all of this, we signed a design contract with Carson. And to give you a sense of like what we did before we even started on day one of actual any actual coding or design work, we spent three to four months collecting uh, data from surveys. We ran a back-of-the-napkin uh, test on ROI to make sure we weren't crazy for spending the money. Uh, we invested probably 15 to 20 hours in doing a site audit and compiling a list of improvements and our top products wrote a 14-page design brief that took a while and really just outlined in almost excruciating detail the scope of the project. Uh, we spent uh, you know, about $5,000 in pre-designed wireframing to really think through all of the elements of the project up front to minimize the amount of backtracking we'd had to do in the, you know, once we started the project. And I spent you know, three or four months really evaluating Carson to see if he'd be 
a good fit. So, so that, <laughs> that was the process. And again, that was before we did anything in terms of execution. So, so in terms of what's next, you know, that's the process. Hopefully this is helpful in, in seeing you know, the thought process of why we decided to do a redesign and how we justified it and, and how we prepared for it. I'll be doing a follow-up post in the future, probably a blog post on the nuts and bolts of migrating a store. I'm not sure if talking about 301 redirects ad nauseum is going to be great podcast material, but we'll at a minimum do a uh, do a, uh, a blog post about really what you need to be thinking about when you're migrating from platform A to platform B, in our case, Magento, to Shopify. Um, but I'll definitely be coming back to you probably in February. Uh, we're planning on launching the store in in uh, January. Want to give it you know at least two to four weeks to get a sense of how it's performing, and we'll come back to you uh, with the results of one not only what we changed, but two how it performs, uh, how the redesign actually ended up panning out. It'll be interesting. Hopefully, it'll go well. I may have to eat crow and and tell you that it was not as successful as I hoped, <laughs> which, which either way should be, should be interesting. Finally, I'll go ahead and link up again to all of these blog post dimensions, uh, including the primary one that, that really will walk through a lot of the stuff I just talked about, including all our considerations, uh, the detailed financial analysis uh, kind of thought experiment that I, that I walked you through. And you can also see some, some shots of the wireframes that we created for the redesign. That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the e-commerce fuel private forum. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the e-commerce space. You can learn more about both the ebook and the form at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.